space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And today we're going to be talking about the latest episode of Lower Decks, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie. And we decided, based on that episode, to look at an evil computer. So we're going all the way back to the original series, and we're going to talk about Return of the Archons. Before that, though, and apologies to those of you who are just listening on the podcast and can't see this, we're gonna... there's no noise to it. <laughs> there's no noise to it, yeah. We're going to talk about um, some special effects footage that Elliot found in the, the corners of the internet. So do you want to tell us what this is, Elliot, before we... Yeah, well, I've mentioned it a few times, but I've, I've just managed to find the actual footage of it. And it's... Um... When the first book, um, Next Generation, into production, so you're going back to very early 1987, they uh, experimented on the plant to a company. I'm not even sure which company did this effect. But they looked at um, using CGI as opposed to using uh, models mm -hmm. for, for all the effects. So this is it's only like 20 seconds. And it's a CGI footage that was put together for them to look for the next generation. Right. Um, as you can see, it's before they got um, even got John Eames or Prober or any of the others on board to actually come up with the design of the deed. Yeah. They literally only had the reef Enterprise there to work with at the time. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is better than I thought it would be. But like you said, you can see why you've decided to go the model route. Yeah, the the technology wasn't ready at the time. No, and I it don't, wasn't good enough. I don't. Think... There's also there's also the the problem that uh, at the time CGI to do it for a show like this would have been so much more expensive than the models. Yeah, absolutely, and the. I mean, I don't think that the CGI... Like, Babylon 5 did it. and Babylon 5 was seven years after this. Exactly, and it still looked shoddy, if we're honest. Yeah, it, it does not it, hold it, up. It hasn't held up. And, and it, it didn't look good at the time. There's that, much of, it, there's that much of it that they couldn't... Like, they could, <laughs> they've done remasters, and they've sort of nated it up as much as they can. But to redo the special effects would cost that much money. Yeah that they could, wouldn't make the money back on it because people are watching it anyway without the special effects. Well, instead, and we, th this is Babylon 5 news rather than Trek news, but instead they're making a brand new series of it, a complete reboot. Yeah, they're rebooting it. But it's still J. Michael Straczynski. Um, it's, uh, I wonder, like he says, he, he's nearly finished the script for the pilot. And it's like, I can't imagine him deviating too far from from what he did no. the first time. I mean, I really have my fingers crossed for him, because it's the CW, so it's a network show. And I really hope they've guaranteed him five years. We don't want to have all that again. But... Yes, we need it that... Are we doing it? Yes or no? If we're doing it, you have to run it for yeah, the exactly. entire thing. And we're not, if it, it's a five year story, if it's hugely popular, it'll still end after five years. We're not doing a last season. Exactly. Like, it's rubbish like we had to last time. Like, I want to see him, he, he gets a redo of it so he can sift out all the stuff that didn't work, build on the stuff that really did work, have modern special effects. Make yeah. sure that he's got all the actors on a five-year contract so he doesn't have to really quickly write someone out and bring someone else in. Well, that was medical reasons, wasn't it? It wasn't that the guy... Oh, no, was... that was Sinclair, but there was the um, the psychic woman, uh, Talia, yeah. was it? She she went and they brought the one from the pilot. Anyway, 
that's for the the Babylon Five podcast. But yeah, looking forward to that one. I'm interested to see yeah. what he does with it. But back to Star Trek then. So latest episode of Lower Decks where pleasant fountains lie. I'll be honest up front, wasn't blown away by this one. Thought it was okay. Enjoyed it. I liked the, shall we call it the A plot with the evil computer. That was fine. The B plot was neither neither in or there for me. But Now, now I like the idea of the B plot because we got to find out some more about another character. That's true, actually. Yeah, we, we finally... Um, and I've seen I've seen quite a few people say this that they weren't as blown away with this episode mm. as others, and I think I know what it is with this episode. Why people are saying that? Go on then. And it's because out of all of Lower Decks, this one hardly has any references to previous shows. That's a fair this point. One, this is literally like like we're doing a, a second one to sort of tie into Lower Decks, our mm-hmm. second episode we'll look at and really had to struggle to want yeah, to yeah, tie in on this one because using all this, all the flashbacks and, and little sound bites of oh so this happened in TNG or DS9 or yeah you're right I've not, I've not... and I think and I think that's why people think uh, sort of not They've enjoyed this episode, but they all seem to be... There was something missing from it. Yeah, I think you probably nailed it there. I've not not put two and two together there, but you're right, because usually, after we've watched an episode, one of us will message the other and go, this is the episode we're doing, and it's obvious. Whereas this week it was kind of, well, we should probably do an evil computer one, but we've got quite a few to pick from, and... Yeah. And the only direct reference we could think of was Arsenal of Freedom. And he, even then, it's it, not... It was, it was literally just from once, yeah. one shot. And, it, and it's not a direct reference. Like, he doesn't say, I've bought these from whatever they were called. I've yeah. forgotten the name of the, the species who were selling the weapons. But but clearly the design is, is based upon it. But... Yeah. You're right, there's not all them throwing. It wasn't one that we came away going, that's the episode we've yeah, got it's to cover. Like, it's like if you go on YouTube, I can't remember the name of the channel, but they always do like the Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. And they do East, and they do it to a lot of things, but they do lower decks on whichever Star Trek every week. And always it's sort of like fifty or sixty or seventy Easter eggs in yeah. this week's lower decks. And this one they went it had twenty three. Yeah, yeah. And and eleven of them were just showing different uh, Jeffrey Coombs characters that he played previously. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> which which sort of gives an idea how <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It really did turn it down this week. Um I like the like the teaser of the episode straight away, and Lower Dex doesn't always do this because usually it's just like a, a joke in the opening bit. But the teaser straight away establishes what the A-plot's going to be. We've got this evil yeah. computer. And it establishes the B-plot, which is Billups and he's, he's a prince uh, from this um, sort of feudal medieval society. Almost fairy tale society. Yeah. I did really enjoy some of the jokes there. Like, uh, they've got dragon breath engines. And he yeah, says, well... Uh, they, they rename the everything. The warp engines work on fairy dust. <laughs> yeah, they, they rename everything to make it sound magical rather than technological. And yeah. I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was a good conceit to have. And the the general plot, it's, it's taking sort of a classic trope that we've had loads of times where you've got the rightful heir to the kingdom or the rightful heir to the planet or whatever... And he doesn't want the responsibility or he doesn't want the lifestyle or whatever it is. And you've got other characters trying to pressure him into doing it. But the spin they put on it is that the only way he's going to do this is by losing his virginity. So you've got his mum effectively trying to pimp people out to him (laughs) to say, which, you know, it's a funny twist on a a sort of well-worn plot point. And you get to have Rutherford gets to come away and work with someone else. So 
This is one yeah, of the things. Uh, well, Tandy has to talk <laughs> him into leaving the ship, doesn't she, to go work on it? Yeah. And it, it, it's, he says, no, it's out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And it's it's one of the things that we've sort of touched on and the show's addressed metatextually anyway is the whole idea of, well, we used to have these two with these two and this is what we do. And now they're, they're breaking it up and they're bringing in other characters by having our main quartet mix with other people. Yeah. So like we did it last week with the, the red shirt characters and Boimler and we're doing it again now with Rutherford teaming up with Billups. Like... This is like this is quite it's quite nice that they're doing this that we find out something about the other characters on the ship, not just our mm. our main characters. Because this is what Discovery is messed up on not doing. Yeah, I it, mean that is the big complaint with Discovery. I mean, yeah, that look like we still don't know all the bridge crew. No on Discovery properly. Uh, I still, which is absolutely crazy after three seasons. I still stand by though that. You know, they are doing it different. We've still got a... In Discovery, we've still got a core cast of characters. And we've got as many main characters as we have in some of the other Trek shows. But it's just that they're not in the positions that we're used to. So yeah. it, it feels weird. Where you watch it and you go, well, why don't I know who the you know, the helmsman is or whoever it is? I mean, I know, I know we know Detmer's the, the helmsman and we've got a bit of background but you know what i mean it's the yeah it, they haven't slotted them into the archetypes that you could have done like yeah, it's not that but we we got we got to that didn't we in um season two when harry and died and we were meant to get to know him in the same episode yeah and it was and they even played it at the end as if it, we were all meant to be really sad but well we don't know this character no exactly <laughs> it was yeah it was a weird one um so anyway, back to back to lower decks then. So the Mariner and Boimler end up getting marooned with the evil computer. So that's the the big setup. And I yeah, like they get, the, the shuttle gets hit with a gravimetric shear. Yes. We're not sure what a gravimetric shear is, but we know that it does hit quite it has hit quite a number of Starfleet ships over Exactly, the years. they're good enough to knock a shuttle out of orbit, so they're obviously not something you want to trifle with too much. No. Um I like the the whole setup of it where you've got the people at the start saying, Oh, we've had a hundred years war all because of this computer and that is something that you got over and over again in the original series particularly, mm -hmm. and we we've picked a good example of it to look at in the second yeah. half. Uh, and I like that all the way through. It's just Jeffrey Coombs' well, computer. Well, e even from the start, it's there. Like when Ransom's carrying the computer, it's like, yeah. oh, you're so big and strong. I bet you couldn't uh, throw me into that panel over there, could you? Yeah, and they almost <laughs> trick him into doing it as well, yeah. which is very Ransom. And um, now, this is... Well, it is international, so international listeners might get this as well. It, the computer reminds me of Talkie Toaster from Red Dwarf. Yeah. Like, how you've just got this... <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, just this irritating little computer. Who, I mean, in Red yeah. Dwarf, he just wants you to have toast. But in this one, it's, you know, he just wants to get his power and everything. And it leads to some good... Like, you get some good jokes and stuff. Like, he, he eventually manages to connect to a pad and he's really happy about it. And um, the replicator's playing up as well and they're just getting licorice, which the <clears throat> the Cerritos and, by extension, the shuttles seem to have problems with the replicators. Everyone seems to be getting the wrong thing all the time. Like, that seems to have been a bit of a running thing, particularly with Mariner. Now, I, I wonder if that's because, like... In previous Star Trek, it's always been transporters. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe like the showing that it's not. Although, just... although you did have it in DS Nine a lot, didn't you, with uh, O'Brien? I only just fixed these replicators. Oh yeah, but I mean they were Cardassian replicators, so yeah. you know we can. You, you can't expect good workmanship from the Cardassians. And th there's a good bit where they they decide to bury it eventually, but then the crabs dig it up, which is yeah. Well. 
Well, we had the argument at first, didn't we? Let's bury it like Data Z. Yeah, it's, no, that wasn't buried. That was that was just that in, was a cave. in a cave. So there you go. There's your call out. If we'd not done Time Zero, <coughs> we we could have probably gone back and done Time Zero. But like you say, there's not many at all in this one. Yeah, there's not a lot, is there? No. And the computer starts mixing it then. So he shows this video of Mariner uh, asking Ransom to take him off the mission. And I suppose this shows a contrast between the two the two pairs of characters. You've got, on one hand, you've got Tendy who's encouraging Rutherford to get out of his comfort zone and go and do something different. And then on the other hand, you've got Mariner who's trying to stop Boimler from doing that. Yeah. And both of them now, think they're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, like, I think there's more to it with uh, Mariner. I think she really likes Boimler and doesn't want him getting on because yeah. she really missed him when he went to the Titan. Yeah. I so think... she doesn't. So I think there's a lot of selfishness. There is actually the selfishness. Yeah, she realizes. She realizes that she. Because of the way she is, she doesn't want to progress and go anywhere else. Yeah. And she's scared that naturally Boimler will do that. Yeah, and, and she's gonna lose and she's and she's found someone who's actually a friend here. Mm. And she's scared of losing that, I think. And you wonder, like, there's always these references to she's been on this ship and that ship and I wonder if she has had people who she's been friends with on other missions, other ships, and they've just moved beyond her in terms of the well, chain of command. Well, well, we have seen that already, haven't we? We've seen a best friend from the academy. He's already a captain. Yeah. So that. And that's, that so uh, we have seen these people have moved on. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, she's the one who's always the ensign and everyone else. Yeah. Surpasses her. I don't mean that in a bad way, but just literally in terms of they get promoted and progress and everything. Um, with the 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 B plot then. So Billups thinks he's fixed everything, but then the ship blows up and seemingly kills the Queen and kills Rutherford. And you've got this bit where is it Ransom who's just looking at a, a report and he's just crossing people off who he thinks are dead <laughs> and he's just crossing yeah. off Rutherford. <laughs> and it's, I suppose it's one of those where it depends on your perspective because to us, Rutherford is a main character, but by the nature of the show, in any other episode, that's just a case of casualty report or there's three dead in engineering. and yeah. You know, that, that's it. Rutherford literally yeah. is one of those guys who we just hear about in the <laughs> intercom. Yeah, he's just, he's just a, a sadistic. Exactly. I mean, luckily, he's not dead, so that's all right. Well, like, like Tandy's really broke up about yeah. him being dead. Yeah, and she... And she but it's her who, who solves it, but he isn't. Yeah, you'd think they'd have thought of checking for his, you know... You think they'd want to reclaim the body or whatever, but um Well, if it's like the engine room that's blown up, I'd assume because it be antimatter, that uh, probably isn't yeah. a lot left. They'd have thought it could have been obliterated or what yeah. have you. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. And yeah, she obviously finds him with the Queen and they're having a big knees up and it's all been a scam to get to get Billups to lose his virginity. And I love the line where she says you know, where um, Rutherford's like, I can get there in time. says, no, my royal guards are trained from birth to skip foreplay. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's a good line. You don't want to dig into it too much because you no, shouldn't be training like, people from birth anything to do with foreplay. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not one you want to pick at too much, but it's a good a good line. Yeah, I like, though, that they've got, like, two guards and it's a man and a woman. So they're obviously taking no chances which way he leaps. Phillips is actually leaving. Yes, that's a very good point. I didn't think of that, yeah. But luckily for him, I suppose, he's got performance anxiety. And, yeah. Um, yeah, Rutherford manages to get there in time. Not before running past a horse, though. Which, 
You know, it fits in with the medieval theme and everything. Well, I like how I like when he tries to communicate and all that. The guy plays his guitar or his mandolin. Yeah, but it's actually like a sonic device to stop communication as well. It's so it's yeah. No, it's cool. All the technology is built into all these other items. It's yeah. It's a really interesting concept of. Well, how do they it, do this medieval it, stuff like, and fit it all I, in? I think it plays into a lot of um, TOS in a big way, does this, where they've mm. made the society like this. Because TOS did it a lot where, for cost restraints, yeah. whatever they were shooting on the stage next door were the costumes and possibly the scenery that they'd be yeah. using for that, that episode. So, like, the one we've got to look at, the sort of, like... An old Western town. Yeah, yeah. And they've got so I assume there was a Western being shot on the Oh yeah, you in the same so, lot yeah. at the same time. And we have seen that. Yeah. So yeah, this is how they would have done that uh, back in the yeah. day, sort of thing. So but... they're just playing on that. Oh well, yeah, like these are medieval. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> so back with the the main plot then. Um Boimler and Mariner have this falling out and Boimler ends up shooting her, which obviously it all turns out to be part of a long con that is running on the on the computer. But I'll, yeah. I'll admit, it took me by surprise watching it the first yeah, time. Yeah, I'll stun you and she said, no, you won't. Boom. Because <laughs> they, they did actually do it in a way that it was believable that Boimler might yeah. have got suckered into this and he, he might actually be... Uh, Reacting um, like, against her. It, it's in act, it's, it was the right character as well for this because it isn't unbelievable no. that he'd have been suckered in. And they could also get a bit fed up with Mariner, particularly when he, he gets shown this video footage of what, what is really a betrayal of him going to ransom. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is. It's it's well done and it is believable. Um, Then there's a great bit where he finally plugs in the the computer and you know it's also he can get his power to power up the ship and everything but this is where we get that that reference where he says he's going to destroy everyone with his murder drones yes yeah. I, I will love i will rule this planet in fact i will rule this entire system with my, i'll repurpose this entire ship to murder drones and yeah, and that's when we see the ones that look like the the drones from the Arsenal of yeah. Freedom. And you've got to give props to Jeffrey Coombs again. See, he's great in this role. He's clearly having a really good time just hamming it up. Yeah, and it's so nice for him that he got the whole episode because we've seen yeah. so many characters come back and they've just been used as a side character. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is probably one of them. I wouldn't be surprised if they'd written this specifically for him and yeah. said, we, you know, we're going to get him. We're going to give him a central role in the like, episode. and let like him... I'm still hopeful that we'll see him come back as a main cast member in one of the shows. Yeah, it'd be really good if he did. Cause like, he... I, I'm, I'm still hopeful that uh, he's gonna be the ch- still going to be the chief medical officer on Strange New Worlds and they've managed to keep it. Because def- we know that Mabinga didn't become chief of wasn't I can't imagine Mabinga having been the chief medical officer on the Enterprise and then taking a demotion for McCoy to come on yeah, board. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. So yeah, it would make sense if he's one of the just one of the yeah. staff, one of the doctors, but not yeah. the CM the CMO and then so there could be someone above him, and it could be Jeffrey Coombs. I mean, that it is. I know the rumours are all there, and it's wouldn't it be nice? Like the mad thing is, is is a is a recurring guest star, mm-hmm. but he's been in more episodes than some regular cast members. He's been this is his forty sixth episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's like in old money. That's like two seasons worth of yeah. appearing in new money. That's like four seasons worth of appearances. Well, that's it. It's been it's been in more than all of the Discovery cast. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it would be great to get him back. But he has a whale of a time with this one. I do enjoy it, and I, I love the the payoff to it all, which is 
you know, Boimler says, the only thing you can rule is the dimmer switch. And then he's like, I'm going to punish you. And he does it by turning on and off. Uh... <laughs> I'll, I'll blind you. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And then he gets locked away. I think we were talking about this the other week. Oh, we we were talking about the, the artifacts, one way, and say, or maybe they put them in a big Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark style thing. And this is exactly what we get in this episode, but it's all... Well, well this, this, actually, this makes sense, and it should, because the next episode we're going to look at, they just leave the evil computer, and we know from um, the last episode of the first season of Lower Decks, yeah, yeah, that it, it that Landrew came back to rule them all again. No, exactly. So that's it. They should have they should have locked it up in this now. Yeah. Talking about the lack of callbacks, I expected that we would see some computers that we knew. Yeah. And I didn't recognize any. No, the. Um, well, I should have done a picture and circled it, but it's two or three to the right mm. when they all lit up. Is that the CBS emblem? Oh, is it? Excellent. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I'll let them off, thanks. That's a good joke. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed that it's. Yeah, I was expecting to see something like Nimrod there or, yeah, something or the, like or the that. M5 or. Yeah. Just, just yeah, things that we know, or even like, yeah, I mean, I suppose we'd have to look at the freeze frame. There might be other Easter eggs in there, but things like um, Hal out well, of two thousand and one. None of the, the um, Easter egg uh, looking what shows have found anything in them. Okay. Just all seem like similar sized boxes. They do. They they all just look like the new Xbox. You know, the the nothing. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing. They all seem to be the same size. They're all just these little yeah. ones. Whereas in the original series, as we're going to see with Landrew, there were these big, massive things that took up the whole room. But... Well, well, Nim- Nimrod <laughs> was uh, a light probe, wasn't he? It's, yeah. Um, a meet- a, is it a metre and a half tall? Something Nimrod like is? that. Yeah. I know there's a few... I know from the modelling community, there's quite a few people who've built... Um, one-to-one skill Nimrods. I'm not surprised, yeah. That's a good it, one. Because it isn't that wide. Isn't it? So... No. I liked Nimrod, though. It was good. Um, so let's have a look at Return of the Archons, then. So we're going back to the original series. We're looking at a classic Kirk versus computer episode. And I really like this episode. Like, it's one... I think when I first saw it, I wasn't blown away by it. But then I read... Um, I can't remember the name of the author, but he did, like, novelizations of every episode of the original series. Right. And they were all, like, short stories. They were about 30 pages yeah. each or something. And I remember reading this one, and it was great. It's like, what he used to do was really sort of expand out from the script and, you know, embellish it and everything. And yeah. I remember reading it and thinking, oh, I didn't like that episode. But after reading it, I was like, oh, I really want to go back and watch it. And ever since, I thought this is a great episode. <laughs> Um, and it it starts in an interesting way for the original series. Like we we start sort of almost in the middle of the action. Like we've got Sulu and a random red shirt, and they're already on the planet, and something's already going on. And we've the missions obviously already started. Yeah, the... and we join it sort of in the in the middle, and. George Takei, I think, is great in this episode. I think he, he really has fun with what he's doing. Like yeah, where... he doesn't have a big part in the episode, but... No, but he gets to do this sort of really happy, spaced-out look and yeah. where he's just back but on like, the... Like he calls for emergency beam-outs, and the emergency beam-outs seems to take quite a long time. Yeah, it does. Um, but, you know, there were slower transporters back in the day, so... <laughs> and then when... The actual, you know, the, the crew. So Kirk does like a log entry and he says um, uh, it's necessitated me going down. It's like, again, I know it's the cliche of the original series, but it's there's Kirk, there's Spock, there's McCoy. Sulu's, yeah. Sulu's already been down there. It's like, you're going to have nobody left on the ship. It's literally just <laughs> Scotty who's left to, to carry on. But then they meet all these people <coughs> like... The way that they walk and talk is just brilliantly weird. Like, it's the, oh, how do, friend, and all this business. And, yeah. And, yeah, it's, I suppose 
It's made in the 60s, so maybe it's a bit of a reference to hippie culture, possibly. I mean, not as not as on the nail as that hippie episode that they do later on, but a little bit <laughs> the of way the, to Eden. the way to Eden. Oh, gosh. Again, we'll have to cover that one day. But, um, yeah, I, I really like how it, it does get across a sort of sinister weirdness to it. It's almost like a Twilight yeah, like, Zone like, episode. Even though, even though the... They're all peaceful and serene. There's something sinister about it. Isn't yeah, there? it's it's really well done. And then we get all this talk about you've arrived in time for the Red Hour, which yeah, seems to are go you on, here for festival? But it seems to go on for twelve hours to say it's just called the Red Hour. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming the Red Hour is when it starts. When it starts, yeah, probably. That's that's the only thing I can think of that it means is. Red Hour is when it starts. It must be, yeah. And this is very much... It's like that series of films, The Purge, which I don't well, know how many they've I, made now, but too many, but... Yeah, well, it is a purge, isn't it? Yeah, the concept is exactly the same. Like, well, everybody like, gets to go crazy I think, this, for... I think this must be one of the <laughs> earliest examples of a purge being shown. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the exact concept has been taken and we're going to have, however, you know, in this case it's 12 hours. I can't remember in The Purge whether it's 12 hours uh, or whether well, Rick it's and, a day. Rick or... and Morty did a Purge episode as well, didn't they? Mm. And, and theirs was on um, sort of like uh, this sort of era planet where they went to and then it lasted all night in The Purge. Yeah, and... That is what it is. I don't think it's ever directly stated in this episode, and maybe that's what I got from the novelization. But it, I think it, it isn't. It isn't stated in this episode, but in a, I can't remember what the Lower Decks episode, last episode mm. of season one of Lower Decks was called, but it's like it's the part before the main title, so it's not the main story. Yeah, yeah. When they go back to Beta Three and they meet Lando, and they do say that they've gone back to purging. Yeah. And, so they do call it a purge by Ben. And you can you can infer that this is something Landrew has to let them do because they're all so sedate and serene and calm yeah, and everything. It's to let all the, the emotions the out through. Yeah, it's to let your every all the pent up emotions and savagery and everything just let that run wild for a brief period yeah. of time so that you can keep them under control. And yeah, it, it's not sort of stated how often the purge no, is it? that's what I was going to say. It, they talk about it like as if people come far and wide for it, so I don't know. Yes. Man, you get the impression... Is it an annual event or a monthly event or weekly? I'd go with annual, probably. If, it, if it's something yeah. that people come specially to to witness, then it can't be something that's happening every week because no. it does and also they won't have time to clean it all up like the mess that they make from it. So Well well for the rest of the episode it doesn't get cleaned up. No, exactly. So yeah I'm guessing like, I'm go- I'm gonna assume that's something to do with shooting schedules that they they probably could only get on this set for one day. So they smashed up all the stuff and then they didn't have time to clean <laughs> yeah, it up maybe. before doing the rest. But if they'd had the common sense, they could have shot like the parts afterwards as if it had been They could have done, but then up. on the other hand, it might be to show that it it does take a while for them to clean everything up after these things yeah. happen. And that fits in if it is only once a year. Once a year. Then they can do this and they can put them to work cleaning it up. And... There's, it brings in almost like a theme of as if it's a almost a religious doctrine. Like you've got the guy in the hotel who's annoyed with them for not taking part in it, and it's yeah. it's almost this sort of religious zeal that he's got. Like well, you know, you've yeah, got to, like he says that you're not old enough to be exempt. So obviously, once you reach a certain age, you don't purge anymore. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, you know, you need to look after the older people, I suppose. But there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. Like, we've got this religious idea, and the way these people who are clearly opposed to it, the way they're organised is almost like a terrorist cell. It's like there's three of them in it. 
there's three of them and we don't and you don't all know each other either. Yeah. So you only a, know you only know one other person in yourself. Yeah. So there's a lot of things in play with it. Um. Weirdly though, like they decide they're gonna spend the night at the hotel, and I'm like, I kind of get it, but then they just sleep. So it's like, well, why why didn't you just check in, shut your door, beam back to the Enterprise, and you could have run scans yeah. and you could have formulated a plan. Um. But they all just decide to spend the night there and wait for the morning to to have a look at everything. And then we get the the references to the Archons. So this is another original series trope that they went to loads of planets where it was a Federation ships visited this planet X numbers of years yeah, ago. Well it's a hundred years since the Archon yeah. had, had gone missing. <laughs> Exactly. Um, right, I assume that the Federation didn't know the Archon was near Beta 3 when it went mis- missing to go look sooner. <laughs> well, there you go. But then you've got stuff like in the very first episode, the looking for the Valiant, and that's been out there for who knows how yeah. long. So I think it was, again, it's sort of before we really established the rules for how what oh, drive works well, and... How well, we've, spoke, we've spoke about this many times, haven't mm. we, that? If you look at the original series, it's shocking for breaking canon. Yeah. When people refer to the original series for canon, oh, the original yeah. series is the worst. But the, I mean, it's forgivable because it was making it up, but yeah. Yeah, it but, was making up as it went along. I think part of this is this idea that they were going for of, you know, space literally being the final frontier. So it's like settlers have gone out there and settled and yeah. we haven't been able to get back out to them to see how it's going on. And we, we can't, it, it, not, not everyone is within easy commuting easy distance. distance and communication distance. And, and I think that gets downplayed more later in Star Trek, but yeah. in the original series, I think that's what they were going for. And then we meet the the lawgivers. Like, there's this guy who, who didn't like them for not getting involved, and they turn up, and they've got a really cool look. Like, they're almost like monks with the robes, but they've got these big yeah. sticks, and not quite sure what's going on with the stick. Like, Spock looks at it, and he says, there's no mechanism or anything. Well, they say later, don't they, that they assume it's some sort of antenna. Right, but it shoots smoke out of it. So how's it doing that if there's nothing, you know, I don't... Well, it, it, it's advanced ancient civilization technology. Right, we'll go with that then. We'll go with it. Maybe it's from the... Advanced the, alien, it's, advanced ancient technology. Yeah, it's, dra- it's dragon breath. It's a dragon breath yeah. stick. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I really like the look of the lawgivers and I like the the juxtaposition but that we've got like I, this. I do, I do like... I like this way because TOS did establish that there is a lot of ancient civilizations oh, yeah. that were far more advanced. And I like the idea that there's a weapon or whatever these tubes are that made up that is literally too advanced for them to understand the technology yeah, no, of I'm it. Happy, I'm happy with that. I they, just they just don't like Spock. As far as Spock can tell, it's a tube. Yeah, I just thought it was going to be picked up later in the episode. You know, it just seemed like they, they made a point of drawing your attention to it. And then... Well, they did. It's an... Um, well, later in the episode, they say it's an antenna. And that's as close as you get. Right, okay. And I just put it down to... It's advanced ancient technology. Yeah. And it's that thing where... If you give someone... If someone from the 60s looked at my tablet, they would... They wouldn't have a clue. They could open it up, but they still wouldn't understand how it worked. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, you'd look, people would look at a microchip and think, you know, it's just yeah. a flat little thing, like there's no technology in there. But yeah, I suppose that that tube could have all sorts of stuff in the lining yeah. of it. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, you've talked me round on that one. I love the fact that Kirk just nicks it off one of them, though. <laughs> and th- this is the first hint that it's all going—it's all going computer, because they 
they don't know what to do when Kirk refuses to go with them. So it's it, and it goes back to like what our understanding of computers and things was in the sixties, like the idea that they can only follow a set program, and if you deviate from it even slightly, it'll throw them off completely. And <coughs> well, it'll crash if you don't. Yeah. If you, it it very much was so with a computer. If you did, if you put in wrong input, you would just crash the computer. Yeah. And that's that's how we're treating these. But our, you know, from a modern perspective, we'd say, well, if this computer's advanced enough to do all this stuff, it's probably got a bit better AI. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. For the sake of the story, it's fine. Um, but when it was made, it was fine. Yeah. It, it came across as a very advanced computer. No, absolutely. And the 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 use of language as well, like the way. It's one of them episodes where there's clearly so much more to like the mythology and the background to it than we get in the episode, which I don't think is a, a problem. I like it when when you have things that hint at so much more. And like, you know, using things like they summon the body and just the way they have different names for everything, I think's like I said, it just feels like you're just scratching the surface of something much yeah. more much more interesting and the um lieutenant o'neill so they do find him so this red shirt actually gets the name and he actually makes it to the end of the episode doesn't they eventually yeah they all make it to the end of yeah. the episode and to say that he had so many red shirts with him like they could have had an absolute bonanza of yeah i thought killing red shirts and no one actually dies in this episode. Yeah, it's like them two guys you thought were definitely done for. Yeah. But, but yeah, they find Lieutenant O'Neill and it's all, we'll take him with us. Like, not necessarily a good idea if they're all linked yeah. into this hive mind, but I get where you're going with it. And then... Yeah, I I got why why they did it. Yeah, but I did insensible. Too. No. <laughs> um... And then, like you say, they've obviously run out of the permit they had to film on the Wild West set because we go to the classic dungeon inside yeah. set now. <laughs> and I really <laughs> like that, um, the lighting panel that they bring out, just the concept of it. Just it, It's this little bit of, well, cardboard or whatever bit, it was. But, well, but perspex. But it, it creates light, and it, it's like yeah. a, a huge, big, luminescent panel. I thought that was a really cool sci-fi idea. Yeah, well, that, it was also really clever, because it let you know that the... Because up until then, we've seen this sort of Wild West town mm. um, set somewhere around the 1870s America. Yeah. Early technology you'd have then, but not nothing like this. No, exactly. And this is just showing that, oh, there's something else going on here. This is technology yeah. on this planet. Yeah, it's really, it's really makes good. the point of saying, this is, this is an advanced piece of technology. Yeah, I really like that bit. I think it's, it is really clever. It's a good concept. And it's something that even by today's standards, we go, oh, that, that looks really advanced, you know. Yeah. It's because sometimes when they pull out like this technology, you go, oh, we've got better stuff than that now. You know, yeah. that, that's nothing. But this is something legitimately. This is just, yeah, it, it's very abstract. Isn't yeah, it? it's so. Just it, a, it's just a panel of light. Yeah. And it, it's so simple, but it, it works perfectly for what they're trying to do with it. Um, then they finally meet Landru and it's a projection He's all about peace and happiness and stuff like that. And yeah, and you'll be absorbed into the body. And... Which is a bit bog-like, really, you know, some of the ideas and everything here. But um, they add a bit of a bit of tension to it with all the Enterprise has been zapped as well. So well, we, we've well, got a larger sense is, of danger. Is, <laughs> is Kirk contacts the Enterprise? And the Enterprise has already been hit by these mm. things. It can't escape. Emergency relays aren't working. They can't turn off the shield. They can't turn off the shield to get enough power to the engines, needing literally all the power. Mm -hmm. And Scotty hasn't fought to um, let Kirk know of this. 
Yeah. It's taken Kirk to actually contact the Enterprise yeah. to find out. Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, maybe they were, uh, maybe they had to be communication silent in case it gave the landing party away. I don't know, but yeah, I think a subtle message. You know, he could have sent him a text message or something, just letting him know what's going on. Well, they didn't have text messages in the. Uh, oh, they might have done. Twenty third. In the 23rd century, we didn't get them till the 20th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might have done, we just don't see them. Um, then, they, they all get zapped, they get taken to a prison, and Spock says, we're in a maximum security establishment. Right? Fair enough. There's a lot of open flames in this maximum security establishment. Yeah. Like, I know it's... Well... It's supposed to be made out of stone. The stone looks suspiciously like cardboard, but <laughs> it's meant to be stone, so you'd probably yeah. struggle to burn it down. But I'm not sure it's a great idea in your maximum security establishment to have massive open flames all over the place. Like, yeah, could potentially <laughs> cause problems. And then they take Bones away, and Bones come back, and DeForest Kelly's having fun with this as well, like George Takei was. And he's all hippie and spaced out and everything like that. And when they take Kirk to be... I'm just well, gonna... they have a bit... Did he have the bit of the fight with them first? Before they take Kirk? When they have which bit? They have a fight, don't they, with uh, McCoy and the other one? Because they start um, shouting... That there were traitors and... I think that's later. That's once Kirk and Spock come back and they've got to pretend right. that they've been whammied, um, as I'm going to call it, being whammied. And, um, yeah, this is what you were saying about how the, the technology sort of escalates and escalates because they go to this thing that this now looks like as futuristic as Star Trek gets. Like, yeah, the guy's in a little booth which... They've clearly borrowed from the transporter room. It looks like one of the <laughs> transporter things. And you've got these restraints that hold them in place that are clearly automated and everything. So, so yeah, again, you've seen this thing of there is a much more technological, technologically advanced than what we're seeing. And maybe it's a bit like... Um, sort of in the Matrix where instead of showing them what the future's like when they put them in a program. They put them in something more primitive and take it back in time. Yeah, so maybe it's well, a bit of that. Like, people are easy well, to control well, if they've got less technology. And Well, when the, when it, <coughs> when the, he brought out that light panel, he did explain, he goes, um, Landry Ware took over 6,000 years ago. Yeah. So we so, know it's a 6,000... It's a civilization that 6,000 years ago, this change happened to them. Yeah. But they were really advanced before that. Yeah, that's a good point. So the Landrew sort of regressed them a yeah. little bit to oh, an extent. He, he's regressed them and then just held them at one point. Yeah, not allowing them to develop and everything, which is one of the big themes that Kirk always comes back to is you're stifling people and they need free will and all this. There's a good line from one of the red shirts where he says, uh, a bunch of Stone Age characters running rounds in robes is ridiculous. Like, yes, it is, Red Shirt. Well done. <laughs> well done. Absolutely. This we will is... talk about that in 50 years' time. Yeah, this is, this is very, very silly, Red Shirt. You're absolutely right. But it works. It's effective. I like it. Um, there's almost... They almost try and do a bit of a double bluff where... You get Kirk going in to get the thing, but then you see the guy coming in. I'll take over the shift now. And it's yeah. so obvious that this guy's going to be a good guy and he's not in on it. <laughs> and they don't even really eke out the reveal because as soon as Spock comes in, we find out that this guy's actually <laughs> the other member of the Resistance cell. So, yeah, they, they could have maybe played that a little bit longer to, to build it up, but... William Shatner gets to do his, oh, I've been... Well, it's... I mean, if you want to be generous to him, it's, it is quite subtle acting because it's William Shatner playing Kirk, pretending to have been 
whammied by this thing. So yeah. this is one of them instances where it's meant to be hammy and um, everything. And he, as we know, <laughs> William Shatner can do hammy. So he can. He's very good at it. He is. So he does really well. Um, we get a good chat about the Prime Directive, like. You know, and the Prime Directive here is referred to exactly the way it will be in Star Trek going forward. It's, well, are we allowed... We can't interfere because of the Prime Directive. It doesn't apply because they're not a growing... Not a they're not a growing society. Si- does it? And it's, a com- and, we, and it's a computer we're yeah. taking out. So I like that. That That's a bit of... Yeah. That's a bit of the law that's established and pretty much doesn't change for another 50 years, so very good. And then the, and Kirk yeah. gives his, his reasons why he's breaking it. Well, of course <laughs> he does. And this is the bit where you say where they have a bit of the fact like Bones realises that they're, they're not part of the body. And they do make it pretty obvious because it's like, you know, Bones comes over and Kirk gives it all, oh, peace, friend, and all this business. And then he's like, let's go over here and have a chat. And like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's going to look pretty obvious, Kirk. Why, why are you excluding everyone except Bones, uh, except Spock and the other guy? Um, Then they do have this big fight and you get Kirk takes out Bones with a sleeper hold, which is the quickest anyone's ever put anybody to sleep with that sort of... Yeah, chuckled. I mean, Jack Bauer used to do it a lot in Twenty Four, but it had taken a little bit Spock, longer. And then Spock lands the right hook. <laughs> yes, and they they do call it out, don't they? Like Kirk yeah, says, "Yeah, that's very old fashioned." Yeah, and then he he does nerve pinch someone later on, doesn't he? So yeah, they wait for the guards. Yeah, so I, I like that that you get a punch and then a then a nerve pinch. Almost like... I'm glad that when the two guards come in that we find out just how easy it is to uh, break out of this maximum security holding prison. Yeah, it's not that (laughs) difficult, really. (laughs) It's it's a bit of... The door's a bit silly, isn't it? Like, it's this big stone door that really slowly opens. Yeah. And and it looks like it's automated and then it really slowly closes. Like, somebody could just rush you while you've got that door open, you know? But, you know, the computer obviously didn't think of that. And then we get Kirk finally confronting Landrew, and he goes, of course. He, you know, he knew it was a computer. Now, this is where I want to bring in a bit of headcanon that I thought of watching this. We know that Kirk has a thing for making computers blow themselves up by arguing logic with them. Yeah. Now... Maybe Kirk's got an agenda, and maybe it's because Pike told him about control. And so Kirk thinks, right, well, if he had all that going on with control and it nearly destroyed the universe, I've got to make sure that these computers don't get out of hand. So my, my headcanon now is that Kirk knew about control, and that's why he's always got it in for these artificial intelligences. Like, I'm going to stop them before they get carried away with themselves. I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going with that one. And <clears throat> Kirk's first plan is, yeah, I'm just going to shoot it before he goes the logic <laughs> route. But, which is fair enough. But then, yeah, he uses his, his classic Kirk logic, which is your prime directive is to ensure the survival of the body. The body. Protect the body, but you're harming the body. And then that that would be enough, probably. But then Kirk gets carried away with this. You are the evil. You are the evil. And it's like, all right. <laughs> but there we go. So yeah, it's a good it's a good yeah, so, it's a good payoff yeah, to the Yeah, Landrew blows up. Like what gets me is so Kirk's just broken the prime directive. Like we do find out sort of at the very end, that he does do what. But as he's walking out from Landrew, he goes to the two monk guys, you better find a new job. Yeah. (laughs) They're sort of like, what are you going to do? How are you going to cope? Now, see, this is the thing. Kirk is not good 
at checking up on stuff after he enacts catastrophic change to a society. And maybe... You don't think that could ever come back to hurt him again, do you? You never know. This could be the thing. It, you know, someone might be pissed off if he doesn't keep an eye on them, but you know, maybe we'll find out one day. Um, <laughs> there's a weird scene at the end with Sulu, like, where it goes, Sulu's back on duty, and he just comes up and he just claps the bloke on the show, relieving you, and he gets yeah. it as if it's all been funny, like, yeah, yeah, I was turned into a hippie, but I'm fine now, come on. I'm better now. <laughs> and he's just got this almost sort of, like, bashful look on his face as if to say, oh, well, shit happens, you know. <laughs> and then he's back, but like you say, at least... Like, they... we... uh, like at least we did find out that um, they didn't sort of keep going back and checking on this planet. Like, I know they left some, a few people to help. Yeah. But they obviously weren't there long because the planet went back to worshipping Landry. No, exactly. It, it, it's a good touch at the end of the episode that they make the point of saying, we've left this guy here to keep an eye on him and everything. That's really, really good. But then, yeah, like you say, they obviously slacken off a little bit and... yeah. Landrew comes back sadly, but there you go. At least well, the... well, the people see, the people seem to like it. Yeah, we know it. We know he's evil, but we, we he's good for us. <laughs> yeah, he lets us have his red hour every so often, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So you know, probably a B minus, Kirk, on this one. You know, the the intent were there, yeah, but... uh, like. Like, I know when he first comes out of Landry, it doesn't look like he's going to do anything to help the, help the people after he's sort of destroyed what the society is and how it works. Mm. But we do find out, no, he has made provisions yeah, for Yeah, exactly. You know, it's and it's not his fault if a hundred ye- odd years later it's it's all gone wrong again, so... Well, that's it. He, he's done his bit, and then the Federation have obviously yeah, uh... gone and recalled these people from... Yeah, they've three. obviously done a budget. Not bothered thing. to keep an eye on it. Yeah, they've obviously gone. We can't afford to leave a guy in charge of that all the time. We've got this this other computer that Kirk's destroyed on another planet that we need to go look at now. <laughs> um, so there you go. So yeah, Return of the Archons. I know we've had a bit of a laugh with it, but I do think it's a really good episode. I think the it it, it is it like. For the time it was made, it's exploring ideas, isn't it? Yeah. And like we said, there's a lot of different stuff going on. You've got terrorist cells, you've got religious overtones, you've got AI machines, you've got a sort of arrested development in societies. There's yeah. a lot going on for a 50-minute episode of TV. And you've got Kirk doing his thing with the computer. It's, yeah, it's a really good packed episode. The bits... The bits that are meant to be weird and sinister work, the sci-fi stuff works really well. It's yeah, just a bit. I think it's a bit of a yeah, a, maybe a a bit of an underlooked episode. It, this it, one, it's it's also that where it doesn't try to explain the technology. No, no, it just Possibly. runs with like, it. Landrew is a computer that was made six thousand years ago by this guy who had good intentions. But his good intentions have gone awry. Yeah, good, strong episode. Um, So next week, then, we've got more Lower Decks. Uh, Don't know what that one's going to be about yet. We'll have to see. No, um, I still think we might get more with Packwood. I think you might be right. My my prediction was totally wrong. It yeah, had nothing to do with the evil computer. Unless there's a twist, it could escape and it could be. We never know. But um, we'll find out what happens there and we'll find out which other episode that leads us to. Um, yeah. If you want to get in touch in the meantime, we're at RetrekPod on uh, Twitter. We're at RetrekPod at gmail.com. You can come and join us on the Facebook. And uh, yeah, anyone... I'll put that um, video onto the Facebook page after Excellent. Yes, yeah, so if you want to check out So that... people can go and look at it. Yeah, and... Um, for anyone who missed it or hasn't caught up or what have you, we made two appearances on Squee Fest that our friend Dr. Squee hosted. We've got one episode where we talk about Voyager's Endgame, which will go out as a podcast at some point before Prodigy hits. 
Uh, and then we did another episode where we had a bit of a fun game of Star Trek Top Trumps, which is a bit of a laugh. And I think that'll be going on Dr. Squeeze, Dr. Squeeze Show podcast at some point. We might put it on here if we get a chance. But um, you can check all of that out on Dr. Squeeze Facebook group. I think he's got it all on YouTube as well. Yeah, I think we struggle at the moment with so much new Star Trek coming yeah. out to actually put things in. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we've got... There's, yeah. Unless we put out two episodes a week. No, that's it. We're, we're absolutely booked up with new Star Trek, which isn't the worst <laughs> position to be in. Um, for this week, then, thanks for trekking with us this time, and we will see you next time on The Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye. Fascinating.